0: From KMOX Sports, the bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line.
1: Swinging along with the left.
0: Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com.
1: He hits one deep to left field. You get That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the TR Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Hey, good to be with you on a Monday night. Don't have a lot of time here on Sports Open Line, but you will get great sports tonight either way because we got the national championship game between Kansas and North Carolina coming your way. Our coverage is going to begin here at the bottom of the hour. So you've got a classic matchup, Blue Blood Programs, uh, and North North Carolina has been playing the Duke spoiler all year. (laughs) They beat Duke in Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor, and then on Saturday night, they ended his career in the Final Four. So North Carolina doing a good job of playing the role of the black hat in the rivalry matchup there but they get to take on Kansas. I don't know that they're beating Kansas, man. The Jayhawks look really good. Like they're really playing well all at once. They're they're real they have a really diversified attack. Uh, I think Kansas wins and Kansas might pull away in this one. I don't really care who wins. I'm flip a coin as far as Rooting interest is concerned, but I do think Kansas ends up winning tonight. We'll have more on that a little bit later on. Obviously, opening day now just a few days away. Thursday at Bush Stadium. Looking forward to the Cardinals and the Pirates. It'll be Adam Wainwright. Uh, Should be a clash of aces. Adam Wainwright against JT Brubaker. Sorry, I shouldn't joke. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, I, I do pick on the Pirates a lot. And, you know, the reason I do is because... I understand that, you know, Pittsburgh is not Chicago or New York, but it's not that far off of St. Louis in terms of the size, the population, the number of people there. But they've spent 30 years convincing people that would be baseball fans that it's not worth their time, and then they wonder why they don't draw, and then they, they constantly are cutting back on the payroll, and it's you know it, it really is a crime against the sport that their ownership operates the way that they do. I mean they they're putting out what is largely a Triple A team this year. And now that I said that, they'll win on opening day or something stupid like that. But it won't it won't change what the season's going to be. Uh, but we're looking forward to Thursday. We got a little a little look today, and I think confirmation today from the Cardinals as to what the opening day lineup is going to look like. And as predicted. Because, you know, I'm a genius and this wasn't the most obvious thing in the world. (laughs) But Albert will be in the lineup on opening day. And again, I'm joking about the predicted part because I think everybody on the planet believed that that would be the case. I don't know how you can have a celebration of baseball, a celebration of the Cardinals legacy, a celebration of the season being back. How could you do all of that and then not have Albert in the lineup? I mean, you know what, look, the, I agree. The idea here is to win a whole lot of games, but if you can't feel pretty comfortable beating the Pirates in a game or feel comfortable that, you know, one game is not going to change how things go for you in the over the course of the year, uh well, then you're obviously you got bigger problems than whether or not he's in the lineup against a right-handed pitcher on opening day. So that's the plan. So we got to look at what the opening day lineup will be with Dylan Carlson in the leadoff spot today, Paul Goldschmidt uh, Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Arenado, then Albert Pujols, Paul DeYoung, Yadier Molina, Harrison Bader, and Tommy Edmund. And actually, believe it or not, I, I want to talk about the bottom of the order for a second because I really like Bader and Edmund together at the bottom of the order. And here's why. One, when you're at the bottom of the order, you're a little bit more free to run. You're a little bit more free to try to steal bags, and you know the risk-reward ratio moves more in your favor. Because let's say you get thrown out and the inning's over. Well, then you're starting at the top of the order the next inning with somebody like Dylan Carlson at the plate, who can restart the whole thing. And when you've got guys in front of Carlson, Goldschmidt, O'Neill, who can run, they score from first base on doubles. They'll score on singles, right? I mean, like... They, they can create some havoc. I really like the combination of them down there. Now, I, I think we're going to see a lot of different lineups over the course of the year. I wouldn't anticipate we're going to see a regular, everyday lineup most of the year. I mean, we're going to see, obviously, a lot of uh, matchup plays at DH. Derek Gould, uh, when he joined me last Friday, we talked a bit about this, and he kind of explained it, that it's going to be lefty-right. Sure, against a lefty, Albert's the guy. But against right-handers, it, it could be Albert, depending on the matchup. It could be Corey Dickerson. It could be Lars Newtbar, and the team has kind of an idea of how they want to do that, and the way that Derek laid it out makes all the sense in the world. Like I said, Albert against the lefties. Against lefties, against righties that are more sinker-slider, guys that pitch down in the zone. They seem to think that's something that fits Corey Dickerson reasonably well. Keep in mind, Corey Dickerson is not a big strikeout guy. Puts the ball in play, doesn't swing and miss a whole lot. Well, that really plays with the pitcher, that's pitching to contact. And they're going to think about Lars Nootbaar against the guys that are the high velocity pitching at the top of the zone because he's shown some, some ability to do that. He's shown he, that he can have some success in that. So when we talk about playing matchups with the DH spot, it doesn't just mean left or right. And that's something that I've been talking about here for several months. It's not just about the, the left-right splits. It's sure it's about that, but it's also about Style. Some guys are better fastball hitters than others. Some guys are better at handling breaking balls than others. And there's a lot of ways you can play with that. So that looks like what it, that that looks like the opening day lineup, and I like it. I, I love Carlson in the leadoff spot. I think you got him right there in front of Danger. Right, he's before the guys that you don't want to face with men on base. You don't want to face Goldie O'Neill and Arenado with men on base. So you got to be you got to be aggressive with Dylan Carlson. Carlson is a hitter that's got a great knowledge of the strike zone, so he's not going to be chasing outside the zone very often. So you have to come in. He's the kind of guy that can do damage when you come in the zone. I love him in that spot. He's a switch hitter. Another reason I love him in that spot. And I really like Bader and Edmund as the guys that can electrify the bottom of the order, bring that speed element, maybe swipe a bag and get in scoring position for the top of the order. I like that combo quite a bit. And obviously we'll see how it plays, but there's a lot to get into there. All right. One more thing I want to get to with the Cardinals. And then obviously we've got our basketball coverage with the national championship game tonight. That's going to start coverage is going to start bottom of the hour game. will start a little later on. I want to talk about the final roster. We know what the Cardinals 28 man roster is going to be for opening day as well. We'll talk about it next on KMOX. All right. A little bit more on the Cardinals here and, uh, the op- the the opening day roster not just the opening day lineup we know Yadi and, and Wayno are going to be the battery obviously Adam Wainwright, the Cardinals opening day starter talked about the starting lineup and the way it looked today is it's going to be on Thursday but you know there's some interesting things about the roster in total and we've talked about the build up in the build up to this the roster construction with the designated hitter is different than what you would need it to be when you, let's say for example you want multiple pinch hitters for different matchups and circumstances for the pitcher spot. You know That that doesn't exist right now, and I happen to think that's a good thing because I want to see more good hitters, but um, it, it is something that's going to impact roster building around the sport. And here in the month of April, I would bet you most teams are going to be carrying 15 pitchers, and the Cardinals are one of those. They have 13 position players. We know who all of them are, and we outlined this actually uh, with Derek Gould on Friday. We know the starting eight we know the DH is going to be a make you know, made up of Albert and Lars Newtbar and Corey Dickerson we know that Edmundo Sosa is the bench infielder we know that uh that uh that Andrew Kisner is the backup catcher and those are your four bench players um along with you know th- well those are your combo bench slash Dh guys so you you're gonna have a four-man bench on any given day no big surprise that's what we expected on the pitching side, we knew again. We knew that they were going to go 15. We didn't know exactly who the 15 were, but most of them, most of them, we we had it locked down. We know that you got Wayno and Michaelis, and by the way, Miles Michaelis was really good today in his final start of the spring. Six innings, one earned run, only allowed five base runners. So he was. I don't know that there would be a better launching point for his season than to, than what he had today. But you got Wayno, Michaelis, um, Matts and Hudson that are in the rotation. We know that for sure. We don't know exactly what they're going to do with the fifth spot, and I want to talk about that in a second. But we know that the back end of the bullpen is likely some combination of Gallegos, Cabrera, McFarland, Helsley, and Whitgren and Whitley, and maybe Jordan Hicks. And and I say maybe because I want to talk about that whole fifth starter thing, and he's going to be involved potentially in that too. And then you've got a few couple other guys that – made the team that could work in, again, any number of role. Uh, Aaron Brooks is a right-hander who could work in long relief. He could be a spot starter. He He's not right now, supposedly, in that competition for the fifth spot, but at some point could be. Um, prospect Andre Palante made the team. That's A little bit of a surprise. He's kind of the spring surprise. Big, uh, big fastball from Pallante throws hard, Mid to upper 90s, has touched 100 miles an hour. He's been a starter in the minors. Obviously, he's, he's going to work out of the bullpen for the Cardinals here, but who knows? You never know. He, he might end up figuring into that fifth spot, depending on how they want to do it. And that's where I get into the decisions that apparently are being talked about. You got Drew Verhagen and Jake Woodford that are the two guys that if they go with the traditional route of somebody that is a quote-unquote starter, it looks like it's going to be one of them that will make this will be the fifth starter this to start the year while Jack Flaherty's on the injured list. But there's also talk today, great coverage from from the Post Dispatch in particular my buddy Derek Gould, but you know in general they do a fantastic job. But the discussion today is maybe being creative with that spot. using an opener as, as a possibility, someone like say Jordan Hicks to go out there for an inning, two. I mean, I know that Hicks has even talked about maybe being ready to get to go three innings at some point early in the year. Um, nothing wrong, by the way, when an injury throws things out of whack. Nothing wrong with trying to be creative in how you want to go about this. You know, we all see Hicks, and we know what it looks like at the back end of pen at the back end of the pen, and we know that he could be an asset there. And that's part of why I'm not entirely sure. That I would go with the opener with him anyway. Maybe I'd think about it more with Woodford or Verhagen. But because I'm, you know, when it comes to the opener in general, my only complaint about it is you're using a quote unquote reliever that you might not even need to use, and you might need that guy a day or two later. Like you might get to a spot the next day, like oh man, this is a good spot for Hicks. Maybe we shouldn't have done that yesterday. But again, reality is, you know, most managers are going to look at what do we need to do to win today and we'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. So, you know, if if that's the approach and it is pretty logical, then okay. So how does that look? You know, you got Hicks out there maybe for the first time through the order or the first couple of innings to get through the top of the order where you're going to face the other team's best hitters. You can come back at the back end of that, maybe go to a lefty to mess them up, maybe go for a guy like Verhagen or Woodford who can come in and throw another two or three innings, and then you kind of assess the situation. If you Let's say Hicks goes out and throws the first two, and then Verhagen or Woodford comes in, and you open up a five-run lead, well, then that guy might even run it to the end of the game or maybe get you five, six innings, and you don't have to go to anybody else. If it ends up being a tight game, if it ends up being... A game where you want to start playing matchups in the sixth inning? Well, you can obviously do that, and you've got the flexibility. And with fifteen pitchers, you certainly have a lot more flexibility than you will when you have thirteen pitchers, which is the way it's going to be when you get to May first. I fully expect teams, including the Cardinals, to take full advantage of having the extra pitchers this particular year. With the short spring training, you don't know as you don't have as much um, prep time leading up, so there may be some wiggle room there. There may be some ways where you can do things you might not otherwise be as comfortable doing. So we'll see how that goes, but I think we have a pretty good idea of what they what they have in terms of capabilities, the Cardinals do. And look, the bottom line is, you're going to need the guys that are healthy now, the rotation guys that are healthy now, to stay healthy for a bit, at least until you have a chance to get Jack Flaherty back in the mix. And you're going to need the back end to figure it out in some way, shape, or form. And what I'm also interested to watch is how they handle this 7th, 8th, and ninth inning of games that they're leading. You know, it, it, it is the tough spot the 7th inning? We see Gallegos in the 7th inning, maybe? Um, if it's lefties there, maybe you see Cabrera or McFarland. It sounds like they're going to be playing matchups. I'll be looking forward to seeing how that goes as we move along. All right, more baseball coming your way next Um, We do have our coverage of the national championship game coming up a little later, just later than I originally thought. Uh, But I do have my good friend Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio joining me next. So what you have to know about Mike is he's based in the Phoenix area. And so even though he's doing mornings nationally on MLB Network Radio, he gets to see a lot of spring training. He's been a big part of MLB Network Radio's spring training tours where they go to each camp and interview people and talk to everybody. Well, uh, the Reds are out there. The Cubs are out there. The Brewers are out there. So we're going to get a lot of intel on the Central Division with my friend Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio when we come back here on KMOX.
0: From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer
1: Jensen Sports Open Line. Swinging along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the TR Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. This is Sports Open Live on JMOX. It's always a good day when I get to talk baseball with my friend Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio, the host of Power Alley, alongside uh, former Major League GM Jim Duquette, who's also, by the way, a super nice guy, which is great because they got a pairing. Of super nice guys on Power Alley. Uh, Mike, thank you for doing this, man. I always appreciate your time. You guys are the best. Uh, I'm a nerdy fan of the show, so it's always good to get to talk to one of my favorite hosts.
0: Well, it's great to talk to you, and I appreciate you lying about how uh, Jim and I support ourselves. So
1: that's really nice. I will say this, too. This is no lie. This time of year, I'm just jealous of where you live because you're you're in the Phoenix area and you've got all of those spring training sites reasonably close to where just where you live. I am so jealous of that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, we just wrapped up our last spring training tour stop today, and and I hit all the camps out here but one. Um, it you know it's great to be able to to be back in a semi-normal fashion, getting yeah. information, doing interviews, finding out, you know, what you need um, to get ready for the season. So, yeah, it's, I, you can't beat Arizona in March, and, um, you know, the first part of April, you know, July and August, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's still better than, than the humidity in St. Louis, I guess, but it's pretty hot then, but uh, but for right now, yeah, it's. I mean, it's perfect for, uh, for you know, trying to, to get around and see everybody you can in spring.
1: So I know I told you via text earlier, I kind of want to get a little intel on uh, the NL Central teams that are out there and and certainly not just what, you, what you've what you learned by seeing it in person or doing this, this, the spring training tour reports, but also just your day-to-day conversation with people, your guests, and all that. So I want to get to that in a second, but I did want to start just – what what your thoughts are on the Cardinals and the way they're made up and the injuries with Reyes and Flaherty and all that going into the year? What what's your view on them?
0: Yeah, I've got a real tough time getting a good read on them. Um, I you know I feel like the Flaherty injury is significant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because it, you know any time missed from your best starting pitcher is you know is problematic. I mean, I think a big reason why. Um, the Cardinals scuffle for most of the summer is because they didn't have Flaherty anchoring the rotation. I know some of it gets gets put on the offense, but man, that's a stopper. That's a true top of the rotation type guy. Yep. So, um, you know, I think losing him for for any stretches isn't, isn't going to be great. And you know, the same with Reyes. And I know Reyes had his you know issues at, at, at times, and certainly issues with walks last year. But um, those are two real important arms for them. I I don't you know I don't know how to properly assess the back end of the rotation. I'm going to watch a little of Verhagen mm-hmm. um, in his last start, but it seemed like he was working on a sinker as opposed to going with the, the 14 curve curveball mix. We anticipate I haven't seen Aaron Brooks at all this spring, but apparently he was really good in Korea and the Cardinals deserve the benefit of the doubt. I, I think on, on pitchers, especially that they've brought from um, Asia, whether they're, they're, you know, Japanese yeah. or Korean pitchers or, or American pitchers that have gone there to kind of reshape themselves and reform themselves. So um, I think that's really interesting. I would assume, I I hate hate to assume, I've got an idea of who has helped make those recommendations in the Cardinals front office, and he's a pretty good scout. So, um, you know, I think that there's some some good stuff that, that they've done, but I have a tough time really getting a read on how good their pitching depth is, um, you know, where that left-handed balance outside of Corey Dickerson is going to come from the lineup. And I guess the biggest benefit they have is that outside of Milwaukee, there's not a team that you look at and go, yeah, that's a playoff team in the division. So there should be some wins for there, there for the taking. But I just don't have – I don't have the warm fuzzies about the Cardinals that mm-hmm. I do about, like, Milwaukee in that division.
1: You know, you make a good point about the rotation because it, I've said for the entire offseason – actually, I was saying it even last year, Mike – The rotation was the only big problem the Cardinals had all year last year until they went out and got a couple of old guys in Leicester and Hap. But I shouldn't leave Wade LeBlanc out of that because when he first came in, he helped stabilize too. And I think the moves that they've made this offseason are kind of like those moves but preemptively. Like Verhagen and Brooks, strike throwers that can give you that depth that they didn't have at this time last year and it nearly – Torpedoed the entire season and would have if not for the seventeen-game winning streak.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great point because I think you know death is paramount, and and I think it's especially so uh, in a season that's going to be um, that's going to be disjointed, you know. And, yeah, I, and yeah. I think this counts as that with a shorter spring training, right? Yep. So um, So, so I'm, I, you know, I think that that from that standpoint, they've put themselves in a little bit better position. But then again, you know, they had but theoretically on paper they had Carlos Martinez for some of that last year too. And obviously that didn't, you know, it didn't go well <laughs> no. performance wise and injury wise. Right. But right. so, so like there's, there are yes and no, but I think you're right that they are in a deeper spot. And I'm, I'm really kind of curious about this offense. Like what you saw from Bader last year is really encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, what does mm-hmm. year two in a full season of Carlson look like um, you know, Goldschmidt, it sounds like has been I was talking to somebody who had seen a bunch over the spring and said that he was as locked in as he has been in the spring training and he's never been the fastest starter. So um, you know, that's interesting, although I will say that that and this deserves the heavy heaping grain of salt, um, it is spring training. And yes. I have decided, Real, that I am just not going to pay attention to any results <laughs> of that spring training ever again. Yeah, I'm with because you. Because it doesn't mean a damn thing.
1: No no it doesn't especially not for a guy like that you know it means something for somebody trying to win a team win a spot on the team or win a spot in the lineup and when you're a, when you're a, a boss man like goldie is and you, you, it, it good or bad doesn't tell me much of anything i mean it just tells me that you you're seeing the ball pretty well right now and you know when a guy like that's seeing the ball he's going to put up big numbers now you mentioned milwaukee and you know look this is their consensus uh, pick to win the division justifiably so. They won 95 games last year. They were the best team in the division. They clearly have the best rotation in the division, maybe in the National League. Uh, they have the best back end of the pen with Hader and Williams. So, I mean, they, they have a lot going for them. Uh, what What specifically do you like about them, Mike? And then where are your concerns about Milwaukee?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on on some of the biggest points there. I mean, I think you know they, I think they have the best trio of starters of any team in the majors. Yeah. You know, I don't think yeah. you can put together a threesome that's better than Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta if they stay healthy. I think they are de- deep behind that. I think Aaron Ashby is really intriguing as their sixth guy. Um, you know, Williams and Hayter are great. I think it's a little bit better offensive team that gets credit for. Um, it had a, They had a really bad April and first part of May, and then Colton Wong came back and they acquired Willie Adamas, um, and things got better. And once Yelich got back in the lineup, while he didn't hit for um, the same power or authority, he still got on base and created opportunities. So um, I think it's actually a, a deeper, better offensive group. Keston cura again, like his look better in spring, we don't know how that's going to, translate, but, you know, that's a guy that had a ton of success in 2019 and it's not real well, I i do not also don't count really anything that happened in 2020 because, you know, I don't know how to <laughs> Small evaluate sample size, the yeah. season properly, right? So, as far as I'm concerned, he had a down 21 um, and guys certainly have been known to bounce back from that. So, I think, they're, you know, if you were to look at them, like, do they have enough left-handed pop? I mean, Roddy Kalez, I like, and you know, he could provide some of that. Um, are they deep enough on the infield? I mean, Jace Peterson's going to be the opening day third baseman, it looks like, because of the, the quad injury that Luis furious can't quite shake. But, man, I think that's a pretty good team. And, and Wheels, I think you know me well enough to, to know that I very rarely like to venture out onto the ends of limbs. In my weight, I probably shouldn't be doing that anyway, but, I think Milwaukee has the smell of a hundred win team or close to it. Wow. They remind me a lot of the twenty fifteen Royals. It would not be a surprise hmm. to see them steamroll a good chunk of the National League. Now I still think like the Dodgers are the best talent wise. But sure. yeah. I think I think Milwaukee is really, really good and to me I think I, we had to do predictions and um you know, they were my national league champion. I think they're I think they're really, really good. Um, and I'm excited to see them again this
1: year. Now, you mentioned the rest of the division, and obviously I, I don't know how much time we need to spend on the Pirates. Is, um, well, I mean, they're the Pirates, and they're doing Pirates things again this year, although they might have a couple of interesting guys. I mean, I'm really I'm really curious to see O'Neill Cruz and guys like that, but I mean, we, we know that it's not much of a lineup. There's not much ter- in terms of starting pitching. The bullpen is still being sorted out. I don't need to spend a lot of time on them, but I am curious about the Reds and the Cubs and not – whether they can contend, because I'm not, sure, I don't know what you think, Mike, but I, I don't think that I think you mentioned it earlier. I don't think they can be in the conversation with Brewers and Cards, you know, when it comes to playoff spots or wild card. But I'm just curious to see how how much of a threat you think they are. Starting with the Reds, who have changed a lot, they've gotten rid of some of their best players, and you know they've gone about it a little different way. I I don't see a path to a lot of success, but I do think there are a couple of interesting guys there.
0: Well, no, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, we were there today, so this is oh, good. fresh in my mind. I, I don't think they're uninteresting. I think that's the part that's unique about this Reds team. I mean, I think from a talent standpoint, they're not where they were over the last two years, but the pieces may fit together a little bit better, and, and if you, you take little portions of it, you know, the bullpen's going to be a big question mark, but they've got some interesting guys um, I really like Art Warren. You know, I, he's not a big name, but but he's a guy that has always thrown strikes, and uh, he's an Ohio kid too. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious to see what his role was like. It sounds like Luis Cessa is more of a sinker baller. Might get the first opportunities mm. at the back end of their bullpen. Um, you know, like they they've got some young guys there. They have an extremely young rotation, and and you know Luis Castillo and and Mike Miner, who they acquired in a trade um, you know, are gonna hope with the year on the injured list. So right. four of their first five starters have less than a full year of service time and two in Hunter Green and Nick Ladolo, who are former first rounders, are gonna make their first uh, start of the year in the first week of the season. Mm. Games four and game six, I think. So um, you know, I think and they've got a really brutal schedule early too. It's a lot of Dodgers and Padres on the road and um, you know, like they have a two game they have two of something like their first 11 or 13 at home and those are against cleveland who we know can pitch so um but those guys are young there's probably going to be some um growing pains with the rotation but the lineup has a chance to be pretty decent and you know the top third of it is probably going to be something like india Vado and fam in some order and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there are more nights than not than starters looking at the 25 pitches at the end of the first inning. That's a good point. With that trio there. Yeah. And I think that's, that to me is really interesting. That That's one of the most interesting thoughts about it because those three guys just grind the heck out of the bats. And I think that's going to be fun to watch. So um, the position players aren't quite as young. Although Tyler Stevenson, their catcher has a chance to be really good. I'm excited to see Jose Barrero play more once he gets gets back from a hamate bone injury um but they're you know they're interesting at least i think even though they're they're probably not a contender for a postseason berth they would need an awful lot to go right including um you know a number of inexperienced pitchers pitching at the top of their ability right away
1: what about the cubs mike i know you're familiar with them obviously chicago kid originally and obviously being out there seeing them in the spring it's it, it's it, it, it it's it's interesting i mean like it's a jumble of things right i mean like they did some really smart stuff. Like I think Stroman was a great guy to just jump in and get, even if you're not ready to contend, but to have him uh, in the organization and start to build forward, kind of like what they did with John Lester. I really think it's intriguing to see what they get out of Seiya Suzuki. Uh, But after that, it's like veteran minor leaguers who had big runs with them last year, like Wisdom and Schwindel. There are other guys that are maybe looking to kind of get their footing at the big league level. I just don't know what to make them. I don't think they're horrible, but I also don't think that this is a good year for them.
0: Yeah, I think it's – so they should be a pretty good infield defense, I think, you know, with Andrelton Simmons and Nick Madrigal up the middle. Although Simmons is hurt to open the year. Right. Um, They're going to get a lot of contact from their staff. They don't miss a whole lot of bats. Their bullpen in the last five or six years has been pretty good, and I expect that to be pretty decent too. But I do not think this is a particularly good Cubs offense. And I think, you know, Suzuki is interesting. I'm really curious to see what they have. And I'll be interested, too, to see, you know, how much of what we saw over the last two months is real from Frank Schwindel. Mm -hmm. Schwindel was a guy who always hit in the minor leagues, you know, and just never had gotten the opportunity. And those kind of right, right first basemen sometimes don't get chances until later or don't make the adjustments until later. So I'm a little bit curious to see what that ends up like. But, man, in terms of middle infield production, that there's no power there. Right. With Madrigal, right. Simmons and Horner. Um, and in Simmons and Horner in particular, you've got guys that, well, I said for Madrigal and that too, guys that aren't going to walk a ton and are just going to make some contact. And I think there's going to be weak contact, you know, is, is second happy e in half the really e in half. If so, that's a pretty darn good player. And maybe, maybe he's finally got his swing in a spot, you know, from both sides of the plate that he can be a solid contributor. But, you know, Jason Hayward's going to play center field. He has not been particularly productive offensively. Um, Contreras is still a good player. Um, you know, they've got VR as as kind of an extra option uh, off the bench. is probably their backup at shortstop to open the year with Simmons out. And and it it feels a little bit like a team that's trying to catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, no team signed more major league free agents than the Cubs did this winter. Yeah. And then you look up at the roster at the end of the day, and you're like, and um, okay. Like it's it's just, it's like, they're trying to be better than what they were the last two months of last season, which was atrocious. Right. Um, But I think they're, they're probably like, they're a transition team in the same way that Cincinnati is a transition team. They just decided to go about it in a a different manner, which is like, Hey, we're going to take some floor guys here. Whereas, Cincy, you know, like I love the Fam signings. Like well, you know how I feel about Tommy Fam anyway. Yes. I love Tommy Fan. Yep. and so like the idea of him being a bounce back candidate, that maybe even flip at the deadline. I think it's there's a lot of value there. So, um, I yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think that I think those teams are probably battling for third place. If I had to pick one that you know might be a surprise who could sneak by the Cardinals into second, and be they, my guess is. I would probably pick Cincinnati, although I could change that tomorrow, but I don't think that's likely either. So.
1: Really good point. Mike, you're the best, man. I really appreciate your work. You know that. Um, and your insight being able to see these teams and be up close with them during the spring has been phenomenal. You and Duke do a great job day-to-day. And really, I know no matter who you're paired with, you, guys, you do a great job there. But tell Duke I said hi. Enjoy opening day, and we'll definitely reach out at some point soon, man. But you're the best. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, wheels. It's always good to be on with you, my friend. Take care of yourself and uh, make sure you got your sunscreen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, SPF 800 always.
1: (laughs) Me too. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you, buddy. That's Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio. Again, hosts Power Alley with with uh, Jim Duquette. Um, and uh, in the it's I was going to say in the morning. Mid, I guess it depends on where you are in the country. But here, uh, nine a.m. to noon Central Time on MLB Network Radio. And in case you don't know, Mike, Mike and is like me, and 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 Matt here. We're uh, we're all gingers, and the sun is not our friend. Uh, that's why I have the joke about the sunscreen. I'm going to have a couple other quick thoughts on what he just said about in particular. Uh, the Cubs, Reds, and Brewers. And uh, then coming up top of the hour, we're going to be getting you over to basketball coverage with the national championship game coming up tonight. So it'll be Kansas and North Carolina here on KMOX. After sports, up a line, hang tight. A little more baseball when we come back. All right, top of the hour, our coverage of the national championship game will be starting the Westwood One coverage, I should say, as you get ready for Kansas and North Carolina tonight. And you can hear that right here on KMOX. Uh, one more, a couple quick thoughts and just following up on the conversation with Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio as we start to look a little bit more at the Central Division. Uh, and, I, and I know, again, I, I'm not going to make another Pirates joke, but I do kind of discard them in this conversation because they're going to finish fifth. Um, but I, I am curious about the other teams. And look, I, I do think that this is a three-tiered division. You've got the Brewers and Cardinals that are playoff contenders, You've got the Cubs and the Reds that are retooling, but not necessarily tearing it down. I think that's what's interesting here. I mean, you know, you remember the Cubs when they did their first um, tank job, tore it down pretty big, but they went out and they signed John Lester maybe a year before anybody thought they were going to be any good. And I feel like it's kind of what they did with Marcus Stroman and Seiya Suzuki this offseason. They saw opportunity to get guys that that are relatively young that could fit into what they want to do in the long term, And they just went out and got them because they have the the room in terms of their payroll. And they're just kind of piecing things together around it to see how it's going to work and give some of their younger guys some time. But, it, you know, with the Cubs and the Reds, there are just so many question marks. Um, you know, the Cubs rotation, as, uh, as Mike mentioned, a lot of guys that are going to give up a lot of contact. And, you know, in, in today's game, that's one thing, but we're also talking about low velo guys too. And, you know, Aside from Strowman, nobody there really, and even Strowman's not a big velo guy, but throws a little harder than the other guys that they're going to be counting on. And the bullpen, while they have some arms, is interesting in that you don't really have anybody that's a sure thing at the back end or close to it. They're going to have a little bit of a competition, it would look like, early in the year for the 8th and ninth inning rolls. Just not sure they're there, and certainly the Reds have a lot of transitioning going on there, too, with the big changes in their lineup. Uh, the the trade of Sonny Gray, uh, now the injury to Luis Castillo to start the year. They're, they're, they're not going to be a good team, but again, they're not going to stink. Those two teams can give you a series here and there, depending on when you catch them. Uh, on the Brewers' side, here's my concern if I'm looking at it from a Milwaukee perspective, not from a St. Louis perspective. If I'm looking at it from a Milwaukee perspective, I don't see a lot of yeses, like automatic yeses on offense. I mean, Colton Wong. I think we know what he is. You know, he's not a he's a yes, but he's not a star hitter. I don't think we know what thirty-six-year-old Lorenzo Kane's going to bring to the table for you this year. It wasn't great last year, and I'm not sure that he should be a center fielder anymore. And that's where he's expected to play a lot. Um, you don't have a yes for sure with Andrew McCutcheon. McCutcheon has struggled against right-handed pitching for years now. He crushes lefties, but he's kind of listed as the DH. You know, Willie Adamas... I think is a yes, but I'm not sure he's the guy that we saw in Milwaukee for most of last year. He may be a kind of somewhere between that and what he was in Tampa. Rowdy Telez, not a yes, he's a maybe. Hunter Renfro is a yes, but he's also a streaky, erratic guy with a lot of power who plays great defense, but he's gonna he's gonna strike out a lot. And at this point, the biggest problem is that Christian Yelich is not a yes. Hasn't had power here the last couple of day, couple of years. If he shows some power. I think it makes a big difference for the rest of that lineup, and if he doesn't, I think the Cardinals can win the division. Talk more about the division later on. Enjoy the national championship game and national championship game tonight on KMX.